on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Dr. Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We bring you the latest OU football news, including the five new additions to OU's Champ U22 recruiting class, and discuss some of the things OU coaches said in their press conferences. In the National College Football Roundup, we discuss Lincoln Riley wanting guardrails for the transfer portal and the beef between Jimbo Fisher and Lane Kiffin. And we finish up giving you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, February 7th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in February from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's River of Romance giveaway. Drawings are every 30 minutes, and grand prize winners will be selected at 11.59. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now, we're recording this Sunday night. Please leave us a five-star review and a comment while you're at it. And how we feeling, Ted? How was Mexico? How's the liver? Mexico was great. We had absolute beautiful weather the whole time we were down there. It was a little bit – when it snows, I have, I have a ton of fun in the snow with my son and doing stuff. And so I did – there was a, a bit of a feeling left out with the snow and ice and all of that stuff. But it, was, it didn't last very long whenever it was like 79, 80 degrees every single day. So it was good. I did, I did try and get – a full week of vacationing in yesterday, I think. And it was, it was a rough start to the morning. Um, I did not want to go get on an airplane, uh, this morning, but I made it felt better throughout the day. We had no traveling issues all in all. It was a complete success. Well, you, you look sun kissed. Uh, I'm sure all the people (laughs) that watch on YouTube are going to be thrilled about that so I, i'm glad you're still alive i'm glad that uh, you that. made it sounds like you had a bit of a rough rough saturday but 
or I guess rough Sunday morning, but it it's okay, man. You're you're back. You're in one piece. You know, we were at breakfast yesterday at like nine o'clock, and someone ordered champagne for mimosas. You're on vacation, right? And that started the never-ending, uh, that was the domino that went on from 9 a.m. the entire day. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. You can't Never drink all day stopped. if you don't start in the morning, man. That's right. That's right. But I made it through. We're good to go. Yeah, you you were in Mexico, but I'm sure you were keeping up with all this in a shocking development. A lot of OU stuff to talk about. Yeah. I, I know. Just absolutely shocking. Let's start with the signing day additions to Oklahoma's champ U 22 recruiting class. And we've got five of them. And if you want to hear about the rest of the class, we did an episode about the rest of those guys that signed and you can go back. That's our December 15th episode. If you want to hear about the rest of that recruiting class, but let's start with the number one player in the state of Oklahoma. He signed on the dotted line. Gentry Williams is an Oklahoma sooner. And this is, this is how it's supposed to be. Right, the highest ranked player in the state of Oklahoma is going to Oklahoma, and he's not only is he the highest ranked player in the state, but he's now the highest ranked player in this recruiting class. Like he is, he is viewed as any elite talent. I, I know he's not quite a five star, but still a really, really good prospect that OU's bringing in here, and he's got the length and athleticism that is ideal at the corner position. And now there's no doubt that Schmidt is going to get his hands on him. He's going to add some bulk onto that frame of Gentry Williams. But getting a guy like this is huge, right? OU needs to consistently get the best players from the state of Oklahoma. And I I do think this class, with all the talent they're bringing from Tulsa, like that matters. They need to lock down Tulsa as well. Uh, Too many guys have gotten out of the 918 and gone other places. So I, I loved it. And now that it's official, uh, this kid, his his ceiling is tremendous. So this was a big get, big get for Brent Venables and Jay Valai. No, it's awesome. It's awesome. And, you know, it's, it's not often that, and I think a, a lot of people would struggle whenever they have a turnover at the head coach. Um, you know, to be able to continue to lock someone down like they did with Gentry Williams in such a, a short time frame, let you know how good that they've done on the back end and, you know, how, how good the staff is that they're, you know, there was really, you know, I, it was just good to see that they were able to, to keep that going and, um, and be able to, to step right in and, and solidify that deal. I'm just thrilled to death. Our three DBs that we got out of the Tulsa area, are studs all three of them i think all three of them have a chance to be fantastic and i know we say this every recruiting class and every recruiting cycle but these three kids that we got out of uh, the tulsa area in the defensive backfield i think every single one of these three guys has a chance to be a big time hit at uh, at their spots a lot of length a lot of athleticism i love it yeah no i'm i'm with you and i think it's probably also exciting for those kids, right? Yeah. You know, ha- yep. having those other guys from your hometown. I know they didn't go to the same schools, but having all of those guys going with you, like that's that's got to be fun. I mean, that's got to be fun. And they can 
know, maybe parlay that into some name, image, and likeness stuff for them yeah. out there in Tulsa. Like, of course, come on. You got to use that. We'll figure something out. They'll figure something out. At least some T-shirts that, that they can uh, they can go with. But, no, I, I think it's a really cool, cool group of guys. Um, he's obviously extremely talented. I, I'm still loving Jaden Rowe out of that group, um, but I don't know how long he's going to be a defensive back, though, as big as he is. Yeah, but mate. I was stoked that they uh, were able to lock in Gentry Williams, which most people had had thought for at least, you know, they were saying that they felt like this was a really, really good likelihood of this happening for, you know, quite some time now. Yeah. Okay, next guy. And these next couple guys are – are guys that we kind of got a crash course in over the last couple of weeks, you know, when some of the guys on the staff were telling us about their recruiting targets and our Mason Thomas, this is an interesting athlete. Now a, a twitchy athlete on the edge out of the state of Florida. And I'm real. I've been really impressed with Mil- Miguel Chavis's ability to close some of these recruits and Chavis compared him to Vic Beasley and Vic Beasley, he's the all-time sack leader at Clemson. I still, I, I know he was at one point. He probably still is. And he had an NFL season where he had like 15 and a half sacks, and he was he, all pro. He led the NFL in sacks. His, it would have been his, I think it was second year. Was he hurt his rookie year? And then I think it was the second year, really, the first year he played, led the NFL in sacks. Pretty impressive. Yeah, so if our Mason Thomas goes ahead and does that, that'll be that'll be cool. Yeah. I mean, that, that that would be, but I I think that and, and you heard Brent Venables in his press conference talk about kind of a watering bamboo and said I, I believe he compared Adrian Peterson to brownie mix where you just add water like good to go right but some of these guys you, you gotta you gotta water it you gotta let him grow and I could see R Mason Thomas being one of those types of guys because the interesting part about Vic Beasley he didn't play his first two years at Clemson. He didn't get on the field. And then all of a sudden his third year, he just explodes. And then he's like ACC player of the year and all that stuff. And, and all American, all of those, all of those things. So it was, it was about the development with Vic Beasley at Clemson. And if our Mason Thomas can be one of those guys, right. It doesn't have to happen right away. And maybe he's one of those guys because I do think it'll take some time to add weight add some strength to that frame of his, but he could be one of those guys. You're like, wait, 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 where did he come from here in a couple seasons? Yeah. And I, I, I firmly believe and it, you have to have the right, the right structure in place to be able to, to pull it off. And you have to have a, a really good running train of good players. But I, I think time developing, growing into your body, understanding, uh, the game and what it takes to play it at, at the high division one level. I think time is definitely your friend, man. I've seen too many times where guys get thrown out to the wolves way too early and it's hard for, for them to ever really bounce back from that. And, you know, if you're not ready to be out there, like you can, you can kind of go into a hole or, you know, fail and be, put back at the end of the line instead of brought on to develop at the right pace. So I love that. And I love that. That's what Venables hopes to do with these guys. But yeah, man, it, whenever you've got, you got great size, 
you got great length and great athleticism, they can make a football player out of you. What position is it going to be? Maybe it's edge. Maybe you end up being an inside backer. Maybe, you know, who knows where you could end up. Uh, some of these guys put on a tre- tremendous amount of size. Some guys are hard gainers and just never are able to put it on. So that kind of limits you a little bit. So I, I don't know. I would guess that he's probably going to end up being an edge guy. And it's going to be fun to see like how Venables really plays that edge position and what body type he really wants there um, in this conference right now. And then obviously moving forward to the SEC. But length, athleticism. You recruit those guys and turn them into football players. There's no telling what they may turn into in a year or two. Well, speaking of length and athleticism, Kevontae Henry, uh, another guy out of the state of Florida, he flipped from Michigan. So this is interesting, right? Digging in, you know, talking to a couple of coaches about it, digging in to his highlight tape, you know, the stuff that I could find. Played outside linebacker, like an edge guy, and also played running back. That's that's not your typical combo, but just like you said, a big athletic human at 6'4 and you know 230-ish pounds, a guy that has all the tools athletically and, and from a frame standpoint to be a big physical hybrid edge player. And we've seen Brent Venables use those guys over and over and over and turn them into pros. You you can never have too many of those guys, Ted. You you just can't. So I, I saw Cavante Henry stuff and I was like, okay, yeah, that 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 guy's got some tools you can work with. And I'll just say too, for the record, if we want a six foot four, two hundred and thirty pound running back, sign me up. Okay, I'm ready for that. I've, I've seen one up close and personal. You have two there at Alabama went on to do some really good things, still doing them in the NFL. So, Hey, if, if they want to try a guy that size at, at tailback, I, I, you got my full endorsement. Let's go. But no, I, I six, four, two twenty five coming out of high school. That's got like. 255 written all over it in my opinion you know what i'm saying just a an absolute monster um put it put on 20 pounds 25 pounds over the next two or three years right and grow into that athleticism develop some real good strength that you can you know hold that edge on the against big tackles and you know double teams against tight ends and stuff so no i i love it those body types are i mean the one thing i love is Length, athleticism, and we're talking about all positions here, but it's an awesome mix of homegrown talent and guys scattered from all corners of the country. California, Las Vegas. Uh, we go get a, a transfer out of, I oh know the transfer is a little bit different, but Hawaii, uh, getting players out of Georgia. It, it's It's been really refreshing to see that they're turning over all these different rocks out there and finding some of these, uh, the diamonds in the rough. Yeah. You mentioned California and and that is where the coaching staff went and grabbed Grayson Houghton. Now this is a guy that he he played on the edge. He also played in the interior of the defensive line out, you know, playing high school football in San Diego. And just from everything I've seen and everything I've heard, like the motor 
he's got uh, this kid. He's he's dancing on Twitter already. So I mean, he's got. There's no doubt he's got some personality to him. Seems like a high energy, fun type of guy. But the most impressive thing I saw from him, my man wasn't too shabby catching passes at tight end, showing off the hands and the athleticism at 270 pounds. I, I've been watching him adjust to the football and catching like a back shoulder fade. I was like, all right, okay, big fella. I see you. So this kid, it just from, you know, first of all, I just love his attitude, but just from seeing the natural athleticism, like it's not easy to do that, to just play some interior defensive line and then flip over and catch passes at tight end. So I, I just think this is a kid that, you know, with Todd Bates now being the defensive line coach, I mean, he's probably got a pretty high ceiling. I know he wasn't the most, you know, highly coveted recruit, but I just, I I think this kid could be one of those projects, which once again, couple, you know, two, three years down the line, we're talking about him being a serious contributor in this program. I don't want to get you too excited, but Ooh, Thick six uh, in the in the future, possibly at tight end down on the goal line. We did put Tommy Harris at tight end uh, on the goal line my senior year a uh, couple of times, so that was nice. Have some athleticism there, guy that's played tight end. I'm with you though. I like his. I like the explosiveness. I like the size. You know, being what 270, 275 pounds. Not sloppy either. That's right. You got to lean like a good structure to add good weight to and, you know, be able to add athleticism and explosiveness and all of those things. And I like it, you know, and I, he's, he's probably probably one of those guys that you hope at some point is playing between the 295 and 305 range, uh, lean motor and uh, can, can get to the, the quarterback. So I'm like it just, a, just another one out there that, you look at maybe wasn't super heralded out there, but a guy that, you know, brings a really good mix of what they're looking for. I can already see it now. The first workout with Schmitty where he's like really dying. Schmitty's going to hit him with something like, ain't dancing now, are you, big dog? You know it's coming. It's definitely coming. I have, just... have some of those dance moves playing on one of the monitors there in the weight room or something. Grayson, it's going to happen, man, but you'll be better for it. I promise you'll be all right. You'll be all right. All right. So I think it's Jamarian Burt. That's what I've heard the most. I've heard a couple of Jamarians, but I've heard Jamarian the most. So I'm rolling with Jamarian Burt. Another guy out of the state of Florida was committed to Florida. Long athlete, six one back there in the secondary, they think he can play corner because just of his raw athleticism. But it seems like the general consensus from the staff after talking to the, to those guys is this dude likes contact and could be a great nickel, uh, could be a great free, strong safety, kind of an interchangeable parts guy back there in the secondary. But once again, long athlete that can run. It seems like there's a theme with these five additions, like just long athletic dudes that can move. And that's exactly what Bert is. I, I loved his highlight stuff, like especially him playing receiver. He looks smooth. So, you know, he's got really good ball skills with the receiver stuff as well. So yeah, he, he looks like a guy that can end up being a dude. No. I, and I love it. Um, six, one, 
he's listed at 175 pounds, but um, which you got to be careful how much you love contact whenever you're 175 pounds. You're about to step he up to a different level. I, I know it's high school football and it's weird watching a high school tape even, but like he doesn't look skinny. Yeah. In his highlight tape. Like it's not like he's a frail 175. You know what I mean? No, I'm with you. Uh, but I, I would love, I think one of the things that we've been missing in recent years, and we've, and I don't mean to say that we haven't had some good solid play there at times. I thought Justin Broyles came in and did a really good job last year playing the nickel, but the nickel is so important in this day and age for defenses because that that's a swing position that's asked to do a whole lot man to man against maybe the best wide receiver uh, on the other team at times um, zone coverage blitzing off the edge against a, a running back or a tackle or a tight end obviously in in the run fits you've got to be tough and physical and be able to hold your gap so much asked to that position and I I think we've been we've been assignment sound at nickel we haven't had a game changer and we can see, we've seen what a game changer at nickel does. Uh, Jalen Petrie, anyone at, at Baylor, like those guys can take over football games and you can absolutely use them as weapons. If you get a guy that's really good, can all of a sudden start creating havoc at the point of attack and forcing turnovers and stuff. So like to me, that's been one of the real missing pieces for our defense over the last couple of years is, having that guy that's not just in the right spot, which, you know, there is a, a lot to be said about that. You that, you got to have that first and foremost, but someone that can make game-changing plays there is what we need. Yeah. Maybe it'll be Jamari and Burt. Who knows? Go. Okay, Go. so with these five additions, OU ends up with the number eight recruiting class in the 2022 cycle. I mean, you think back – to when Lincoln Riley left for USC and we all were just sitting there going, what the hell, what's going to happen? The decommitment started rolling in, uh, the we uncertainty. We went from like six or seven to outside the top 20 in like a day or two. And it was like, oh my God, where are we going to end up? Just nothing but uncertainty, uh, man. It's just, it's really, really impressive what Brent Venables and his staff have been able to do, how they were able to keep this thing together. And we just can't forget the role that Bob Stoops played in keeping this whole thing afloat, right? Just kind of calm in the waters. Also, Cale Gundy as well. Those guys hitting the recruiting trail, not knowing who the head coach was going to be even, and just being able to keep this thing together. And then BV coming in, hiring the staff he did, just a – Man, it's just a hell of a group effort, really. Like, it feels like there were so many people that had a hand in in getting this class to this point. And you also, you, you have to remember, Lincoln Riley played a big role in this recruiting class. Like, that defensive staff that's now at USC recruited several of these guys. Like, those guys did put a lot of these pieces in place. But Brent Venables, Bob Stoops, Kale Gundy, you know, the new members, a BB staff, just a hell of a job, man. Yep. No, I, I don't think there's any doubt. Whenever you look at all the variables that were thrown in there, time frame, you know, 
decommits and transfers that, you know, we're, we're going to start hitting the portal, all of the chaos to be able to land a top 10 team firmly or a top 10 class firmly in there is impressive. But then you throw in the transfer portal stuff, what they've, what they've done so far. And I'll even throw in, in my opinion, I think they got one of the best preferred walk-ons I've ever seen in the Freeman kid. He's an absolute stud. So you look at just all of the the talent that they've been able to pull in and, you know, they've, there's probably been some really good, maybe their best recruiting jobs have been keeping some of the talent that was already on the team, right? Keeping yeah. them out of the transfer portal. So yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a grind and I know it's, it's kind of part of it for Venables. He loves this, this aspect of coaching, but there has to be a sense of thank God it's over, <laughs> right? And we can get to get to building building some football here. Well, is it over? Yeah. We'll talk about it. Never but really first, <laughs> the only stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24 hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone, so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. And Opolis Clothing has created a limited release of Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. And yes, the shirts and hoodie are buttery soft. Go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. There you see Gabe sporting the Budberry, Bob, Brent program guys shirt from opolis yeah um, fantastic stuff and you do get a discount on all of the ou and thunder gear as well it's not just our merchandise all of the stuff that they sell that's opolisclothing.com and use our promo code ted t-e-d for 10 percent off buttery soft and 10 percent off and we may have a saint patrick's day shirt Ooh. Yeah, okay. we got to you and I we got to talk about that. We'll we'll a talk about that after seasonal release. How about a that? Seasonal release. Okay, so I mentioned Brent Vittable said they're not done. So that's it's not like I'm saying it. He said it and we'll there will be plenty of guys that hit the transfer portal after spring ball, right? That's one of those big windows where hey, maybe a guy doesn't like his situation. Maybe a guy doesn't like his coach. Maybe he wants to get closer to home. There's all different kinds of reasons guys hop into the portal, but we see a lot of guys hop in after spring practice concludes. So I'm sure BV and the staff will be monitoring that very closely, but also the number one player in the class of 2023 is reclassifying to the class of 2022. A defensive lineman by the name of Lebius Overton, which is just an incredible name. Fantastic. 6'5", 265 pounds from the state of Georgia. So he released his top five. Oregon, Georgia, A&M, Ohio State, and 
Oklahoma. Mm. The interesting part about it, and it seems like the majority of people think it's going to be Georgia and A&M for him, but his dad, Milton, is the AD at Kennesaw State and played offensive line at Oklahoma in the early 90s. His quarterback for a couple of those seasons, Kale Gundy. So clearly there are some dots that connect here, and it would be unbelievable if they could land over 10. The interesting part about it, and the thing that made me kind of go, okay, seems like it would be a really good fit. Clearly his dad, you know, loves the program. He played here, but his dad, Milton, said that the top priority for Lebius would be academics. And all I'm saying, Ted, is it it sounds like Lebius Overton wants to be an uncommon man. That's that, that is that is what I'm hearing. That's just what I'm hearing. Well, I like the sounds of that. Um, you know, hopefully he didn't listen to the uh, the the Thibodeau spiel on how great Oregon academics were, right? With uh, with Joel Klatt. but I I think Oklahoma's probably in a pretty good position there. You know, if you've got a connection that's built in a little bit, there's probably there's probably some type of connection to, to kind of want to go play maybe at the same place your dad did. And now all of a sudden they've got the, the right fit in place. Who knows? Um, that would be an unbelievable addition. So I'm glad that they're at least in that, in that group competing for guys like this, because it, it hasn't been very often that we've been able to go in and, and take guys in this position grouping from the big boys. So if they were able to land this, like that's, that's one of those that kind of sends shockwaves throughout college football. You know, if Oklahoma could step in there and, and land a kid of this caliber before Venables even coached one game here. Yeah, that'd be nice. It, it sounds like April-ish for a decision because he still has to go on all his visits, you know, because he's reclassifying all those things. So it's not going to be right away, maybe a month or two, but Hey, OU's in the top five. They're one of the five. So, Hey, there's a chance, chance. got a chance. So that's, that's better than what it could be. All right. So other OU stuff, notable things that Brent Venable said. So, (laughs) Technical difficulties with the uh, with the old the old press conference. So we had had the redo the next day for the media, and our man went an hour and a half just rattling off answers. And Teddy, I I know that clearly we we work for OU football in TV and radio, like we are part of what they do from the media side of things, but. This stuff, like, it does matter. I know some people are looking at it like, oh, the media likes him. Who really cares? It's all about winning and losing games. Yes, that is true. Ultimately, Brent Venables is going to be judged for how many games he wins and how many games he loses. But you talk about a guy that is just doing everything right right now. He assembled a great staff. He's he's really playing to the fan base. He's given the media time and respect and all these things like that, that stuff matters. It, it does matter. And it, I mean, if, 
OU plays poorly in the fall, like the media, they're still going to write what they see and they're going to write honest things and like all of that. And we'll come on here and we'll be like, well, that wasn't very good. But just laying this foundation, man, it's it just continues to impress me. It continues to impress me how he's going about all of this. Well, I love there doesn't have to be like a huge cloak of secrecy about absolutely everything. Some things, sure, right? Some things, yeah, you've got to play it close to the vest. You don't you don't give up everything that's going on behind closed doors. So that I get, but to be able to stand there and and give a full open answer to to some questions that people have concerning like the program and and, and all those different things it's it's what people want. They want to know about the football team that they watch. Is it the most important thing, media relations and how you handle it? Well, I guess it can be at times, but it probably falls pretty far down the list. So whenever a guy stands there and, and gives you an hour and a half of his full undivided attention and, and opens up about some different topics and kind of peels back the curtain, so to speak, and, and shows you what's going on up there, I think people really enjoy that. And it ends up getting, you know, the the media are going to write stories about what's happening up there and everyone's going to have a better, when they have a better idea of what's going on, they're going to end up being more invested. So I think it's a good thing. It, yeah. And I think that, you know, the, the people that cover the team over the last several years, right. They've, they've gotten a little discouraged. I don't know how else to say it. Like, Oh, Another press conference where we don't learn anything or we really don't get any quotes. Like, I mean, Venables is, he's not going to divulge a bunch of stuff to put him at a competitive disadvantage during the season. He's just not going to do that. But I don't know. It just feels like it's for whatever reason, I always thought, and this is, I, I think this is why I have the OU jobs, right? In TV and radio, because when I was a player, I was nice to the media. I was like, these people are just here to do their job. I'm going to be nice. So I'm going to give them stuff. Like, I'm not going to say anything stupid. I'm not going to put my team at a disadvantage in any way, but like, I want to have a good relationship with them because they're just doing their job and I want to make their job enjoyable. And that's what Brent Vittables is doing. Like I, I saw more tweets from people that cover the team, like displaying happiness that I've seen in a long time. It was just, it was so funny to see like all the quotes and just be like, this is amazing. Like 90 minutes. Like it was, I don't know. I just think that when, when the people that cover your team, that a lot of your fan base reads their coverage or watches or listens to what they, the content they produce. I think it's good when those people that cover the team, like the head coach, I, now, they'll still be critical when they have to be critical. Like, there will be a time for that, but there's nothing wrong with the people that cover the team liking the head football coach. It's fine. It doesn't it, – it, there's really nothing negative in my mind to it. No, there's not. And more than anything, it's just having content to be able to put out there other than – here's what coach said for the injury list or didn't say about the injury list rather 
I mean, there, there's at, at times there can be, it, it's very hard to find something to write about. That's not just kind of the same old thing. And, but whenever you see coach Venables and how passionate he is about the way he wants to build this program and how much thought he's put into it and wants to stand there and tell you about it comes off really well. No, you're, now you're right. the big question is how much availability spring game open practice. Oh man. I don't know if the, if the media could handle that an open practice. Kersey may, Too much? I mean, he may lose it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what Murdoch would do if there's an open practice. Like I don't, I don't even know, but no, it we'll see if anything like that happens. He may not but, be happy. Everyone was, what the hell we need Murdoch for? If the practices are open, we go see it for ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. Some of the other stuff that some of the other stuff that Brent Venables talked about, and he's going to continue to talk about the soul mission stuff, right? He called it the backbone of the program. And one of the words he used, he's like, I want to equip my players with tools for life. And I thought that was a really, really interesting and cool way of putting it. And I, I thought that the news about Jeremiah Cradell, it, it kind of, it's not the same as the Caleb Kelly situation, but it kind of fits in the same category for me, right? If, if you didn't hear Jeremiah Cordell having to retire because of concussion issues. Now he'll be joining the staff, but when you hear BV talk about like, Hey, setting these guys for life up after football, and maybe they never get to the NFL. Like, what are you going to do? What foundation are you setting for yourself? Not just, as a player, but as a person and as a professional down the line, it's just another example with, with Cradell where it's like, okay, so this is, this is why Brent Venables feels so passionately, passionately about that program and about that approach. Yeah. And I, I think the, and it's early on, right. But I think the, the interesting thing here is most places, and I can't I can't speak to it because I haven't seen it, but you hear that, and and what I've seen at Oklahoma, pretty much all your top schools have a lot of this stuff in place, right? But it's in place to check a box, right? Oh, we've got we've got player development, we've got you know, this and this and this. It's just checking a box on a recruiting flyer that you're sending out to everyone, right? It's a graphic. It's not the backbone of the program. It's not what everyone recruits to and builds off of and starts right there. You know, it's like, hey, look, you know, we've got a player development. Now let's talk about our blitz package and how we're going to use it. No, this, this is it. This is the recruiting pitch. You know, the football stuff, that's going to come. That's great. Yeah, we want you to love football. want you to be uh, a football guy. But this is our main mission is to develop, you know, grown men ready to go off into the world and be successful because even if you're a top program, the vast majority of your players are not going to be NFL stars, you know. So you got to figure out something else you're going to do. And I love that Coach Venables is making that his 
top priority. It is not just, it's not talk. He's, he's putting the guys there. They've got, you know, they've got big things. Like we were talking to Caleb Kelly about it, like what they're gearing up for and, and all the, the internships and all of that stuff. It's not just a talking point. This is going to be his thing. Now, I am giving him the, the benefit of the doubt on that, right? Because we, we're hearing him talking about it. We haven't seen it necessarily in action yet, but I don't think he's going to be talking this much about preparing these guys and, and equipping them and um, you know, serving that legacy and all of that. He's not going to talk about it the way he does if that's not going to be a main focus and a top priority that they put a lot of resources into. I mean, they're going to be spending some big money on this stuff, making sure that it's successful. Yeah. And just one thing that I, I'm not sure a lot of people notice that just blew my mind. OU football's Twitter put out an academic standouts of the week graphic. And I about, I was just, I was so jealous. I would like, I was like, I would have had so many of those. I would have been on the graphics so many times. It would have been so cool. I would have felt so great. But, yeah, so you you can see some things are changing uh, around there for sure. Uh, one I would not other have thing, made any appearances on that, just just telling you. Yeah, well, you, you did all, all the stuff on the field. It's fine. <laughs> you and I had diff- a different response when we saw that. But I, it still <laughs> is It's good. It's cool. I like it. Okay, Jeff Levy spoke to the media and said a lot of great things, but one thing that probably stood out to everyone the most, Dylan Gabriel's the guy. He's the guy quarterback heading into the spring. He's the only guy that's thrown a pass. Like, I loved when he said that, but that's that, I suppose. I suppose we don't have to worry about some big QB controversy. Hey, Dylan Gabriel's the guy. Nice, easy, neat, clean. Makes our life easier. I love it. I think we're going to, I think we're going to reject that just out of like what we're used to. We're going to somehow create a quarterback controversy. That's not there. We have to, right? That's we're, we're conditioned. It's spring football. I, no. uh, I'm hearing <laughs> we could be the ones to do it, right? We're hearing yeah. some things about Nick Evers. Nick I Evers. Mean, I'm just saying. Ralph, Ralph Jeff, Rucker. I mean, Ralph Rucker supposedly pushing Gabriel. I don't know. That's what, <laughs> that's what I'm being told. <laughs> what happens it if that awesome happens? Though. It is awesome, though, that you got a coach that is very matter-of-fact about it, and off we go. And I, with all of the excitement about what could have happened in the transfer portal, and I'm not dismissing that. It would have been great to have, to add some more talent to that room. It always is. But I, I, and we've, I know we've spent time on this, but I do think with everything considered, it is a great bonus and maybe exactly what the team needs is to have that guy already there. You know, like we're not worried about a quarterback battle. We've got one team together. We're going forward. Yep. Dylan Gabriel. Leader of the offense, leader of the team. It, uh, I think it helps in winter workouts. I think it helps in spring ball, just having that established, right? I think it's important. And I do think it gives Dylan Gabriel more confidence to hear his coach say that publicly, right? And mm-hmm. remember, he's walking into a group of guys that he doesn't know well. And that 
automatically gives him a a little more respect from everyone on that team. Like, no, like, hey, this is our quarterback. Like, this is it. So that that sets him up in my mind to be more comfortable and to assume that leadership role right now. And that's in my mind, that's a really good thing. Think about that too, man. You got a kid at Central Florida who misses time because of an injury, and then he's set to go out to UCLA. And it's like the next thing you know, you're the starting quarterback at Oklahoma. Like that that turn of a like chain of events for him is that's like pinch yourself stuff. Uh, It's awesome. Yeah, and Lebby talked about it, and the fact that Dylan Gabriel's parents and him just like held off going to class at UCLA. They're dressed in Lebby that way. That's that's big time. So it's clear there's a bond there. Let's talk a little senior bowl. I told you, people. I told you. I don't know what, what else I need to say. Perrion Winfrey. At the, these are Todd McShay's words, not mine. Quote, it's hard to have a better senior bowl week than the one turned in by Oklahoma defensive tackle, Perrion Winfrey. Do I need to say anything else? The guy was the MVP of the senior bowl defensive tackle. Turns out if he's not the looper on a twist game, like 50% of plays, he's a pretty good player. Now, maybe that's a little unfair <laughs> and I, I should give Perry on credit for putting in the work over the last month or so and really preparing himself for the moment. He deserves a lot of credit for that. And the former defensive coaches like Calvin Thibodeau is a really good coach. Like, don't, don't try to make it sound like he's not like he, right. he coached the hell out of those guys in the interior of the defensive line. But I, I'm going to, I'm not going to disparage those coaches. I'm going to give Perry on credit because I think he really turned up the sense of urgency. He was extremely dedicated in his preparation for the senior bowl. And he went out there and did the damn thing, man. I mean, yep. that's that's what it that's what it came down to. When when he had the most important job interview of his life, he knocked it out of the park. And it couldn't have gone much better. I was watching the practices. I was fired up, screaming at my TV. It was it was really good to see him go and have that type of success. That I mean, it was awesome. It was awesome. Yep. And you know, he he seems like the guy that once his confidence, cause he's got a big personality. Now, once the oh, yeah. confidence gets rolling, like look out. Cause you know, you, you're in that moment and there, there's not hesitation, but you know, there's, there's tension there. You're, you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself, but you have your first win in a one-on-one okay, you start to have fun and you start to be confident and you start to turn it loose. Um, That's awesome. I'd love to see it. Here's the thing. Don't, don't go, you know, buy a new Rolls Royce or anything. This is just the first step in the process. All right. There's a lot of evaluation left to go. Uh, You're on first base of this thing. Like this is going to be a long off season with a lot of different stuff going on. Um, awesome that he had the performance that he did now capitalize on it, right? Capitalize on it. 
my advice for Perion, and make sure you guys tweet Perion and tell him to come on the podcast. I think we're going to be able to make that work here pretty soon. My advice to him would be, whatever you did between opting out of the bowl game and going to Mobile, keep Do doing that. that. <laughs> right. Because, yep. I mean, he, Don't he looked like a different guy. Yeah. So whatever you were doing, don't stop doing that. Keep doing that. And you're going to be just fine because, man, he was tearing, he was tearing everyone up. It was, yep. it was fun to watch. You know I don't like offensive linemen getting their ass kicked, Ted, but I, when he was doing that to some of those guys, I was like, ah, <laughs> I like this. I love, love when the OU guys go down to Mobile and do well. See, and that's, that's the awesome thing, too, is because – when, I'm sure when everyone's standing there watching one-on-ones and they're in the drill, but you're watching every battle and you seeing a guy having that type of success and then you're up against him in the next rotation. Now, all of a sudden you're the one that's putting the pressure on yourself, you know, and he's the one that's having fun and flying off the ball. And he's already, he, he's got the money's in the bank. He's already won a lot. So now he's just, you know, no, it's, it's cool to watch, man. I love it. And, what some people may not realize is man, there, there, there are not a ton of high round draft picks coming out of the Big 12 along the offensive line right now. There is a reputation that maybe there's not great offensive line play in the Big 12. So for him to go do that at the Senior Bowl against guys from all different conferences and even different levels of football – and get after every single dude that he lined up against, essentially, that's massive for his draft stock. He went from, I thought he was a day three guy. And he's probably at the worst a second round pick now. Mm-hmm. That's like, <laughs> he made so much money. So much money. Yep. What? I, this is the thing that I always talk about, though. You have to put together more of a history than a week of practice. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's going to be a deep evaluation now. Now everyone wants to know more about Perry on Winfrey. So everyone's going to be going through every rep throughout the season. You know, I just I go back to that's why that's why you you never and it's the hardest thing to do. And I'm not sitting here saying that that's what I did I'm just that's why it's so important to play your ass off every single snap no matter what the score is I know it's cliche but this is why because everyone's going to be pouring through your stuff now they're going to go watch his film and there are going to be some questions right and you you and I talked about his struggles throughout the season or just kind of his lack of production that's what's good if this guy's unblockable, what was going on? Yeah. Like what's, where's the disconnect? Yeah. And those, those questions will be fair, but, and I'm glad they'll be asking them. <laughs> That's true. That's he true. Balled out. I mean, he you just need out. one. You just need one to, to pull the trigger on you. Yeah. Uh, another guy that had an awesome week down in mobile, Brian Osamoa thought he thought he flew around and I, I thought he'd go down to mobile and have a nice week. Right. And people would realize the athleticism, the speed, but he really filled against the run well. And a lot of the practices I watched uh, made some plays in the game. But I really thought the combine 
would be when he wowed people, right? When people could see how fast he can run and, and just the type of athlete and the expo the explosiveness he's got. But he went to Mobile, messed around, and got voted top linebacker on the national team by his teammates. And the way that that works is the opposing offensive line. So you're practicing against the guys on your team at the Senior Bowl. And the guys that you go against in those practices vote on the awards. So he was voted best linebacker by the offensive line, tight ends, and running backs. That you all get a vote. And he got the most votes for any linebacker, which is awesome. And practice practice at a really high level throughout the week. And I asked asked around some guys that, that were down there in Mobile. Man, people... People were loving what he was doing. Some people were asking, hey, do you think he can gain some more weight and put, put a little more meat on that frame? I had a, one guy be like, hey, you think he could lose weight and play safety? I was like, what? But I think the athleticism is really what flashed from Osamoa down there. And just like Winfrey, people are going to be going back and watching a lot more of him. I, I think he got a lot of people's attention down there. Yeah. You pay him a million bucks, he'll show up at 120 pounds if you want him to. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. <laughs> you, I mean. you, you get the checkbook out, you'll be surprised what what a guy will do. So yeah, he's he's got that ability, and that's one of the best things about his year is that he put at, together at OU was the motor, the motor. No matter what, he's he he is kind of what I'm talking about. Whenever, no matter what the score is, no matter what the circumstances are, you flip on the film and there he is flying across the field, showing up, passing guys on his team to get to the football that shows up. People want to, people want to see more of it. And you go down there, you do it at the senior bowl and, and make some good plays. Cause he's a good physical tackler. He, he, he's brings the hips. He's, he could definitely play at the next level. There's no doubt. Yeah. Or, our guy, Jeremiah Hall, all indications had a good week, right? Fullbacks just, they don't get a ton of love down there throughout the week, but all the clips I could find of him, all the times I was seeing him out in practice, seemed like he was doing really well. Seems like he excelled in some of the blitz pickup one-on-one drills with linebackers, right? Showing showing his ability to do that. Uh, saw a couple clips of him making guys look silly with the ball in his hands, so He's the he's the top fullback on a lot of people's boards. I, I don't know how much you really can improve that if you're Jeremiah Hall, but mm-hmm. from everything I could gather, gather it it sounds like he had a really productive week down there. Yeah, uh, his he's healthy, and, which may be the most important thing. Yeah, one of the most critical things about Jeremiah Hall is going to be if you're going to be a fullback, you have to start on all four special teams units. And really, you'll be on, I'm guessing he, eh, he's maybe not long enough to be a wing on, on field goal block, but you have to play on all of those. So the special teams aspect of, of the senior bowl would have, you know, teams are going to highly evaluate what he looks like on special teams. And we all know he's a great football player. He can handle that stuff. But, you know, if you're only going to be, in the game offensively on a handful of snaps at fullback. Well, if you're going to be on the the roster, you've got to make a contribution other places. And, and typically that's 
your fullbacks are going to be some of your better special teams players. Yeah. All right. Isaiah Thomas. Love this guy. I mean, just continues to show the versatility. Made some plays down there in Mobile. Played defensive end. Kicked into the interior some. Made some plays at defensive tackle. Had had one scary moment where the Trevor Penning kid, who I actually had a really good week at offensive tackle, just for whatever reason, just kind of threw Isaiah Thomas into Desmond Ritter's legs during practice. It was it was a bad, idiotic thing by Penning. And even Isaiah was like, What why'd you do that? <laughs> it was it was weird. But other than that moment where we all kind of collectively held our breath when we were watching it, I thought IT did some good stuff and I think he's the ultimate example of it just takes one team to love you. There's going to be a team out there that's going to go, man, this guy can kind of do a little bit of everything along the defensive line. We can use that guy, and that, that's right. going to happen. And I, I'm interested to see how the combine goes for him, but I didn't think he would have to play that much interior defensive line down there in Mobile, but he <laughs> seemed like he did pretty damn well when they asked him to do it, so – and that's it. That's the story of his career. Like, Hey, I'll do what you need me to do. So I, I heard a lot of good things about the way he played down there. Well, that's, that's the, one of the great things about him is for, for defensive line edge, like that, that type of position, there's, there's usually a group of teams that are going to eliminate certain guys right away because they just don't fit their scheme. Right. So uh, he's, you know, we need a guy that's that's a little bit bigger. He, uh, he he needs to be a hand down guy. We're looking for a hand down defensive end. The fact that he can literally do all of that stuff keeps him on everyone in the NFL's board, and that's that means more than maybe uh, a lot of the other things that you're going to do is the fact that you can play a bunch of different positions, the full spectrum honestly, of positions uh, on the defensive line and on the edge. That means a lot. And people are always going to be looking at you, knowing that they can fit you into one of their their boxes, whatever their scheme has, and that goes for every team. So that's that's going to be – being a Swiss Army knife of, a, of defensive line is – and maybe it's frustrating at times for him because he doesn't necessarily have a spot that he's really made his own. But I think that's going to end up being a real asset for him through this process. Yeah. And then last guy, Marquise Hayes, uh, talked to talked to some O-line coaches that were down there. Said he was a bit up and down, but talked to one guy, and he said everyone he talked to loves the physicality that Marquise plays with. And that, that's been his dude, thing. Man. That's a, just a big physical dude. And did some good things in the one-on-one -on -one reps. Lost a couple that I watched, you know, where he was leaning a little too much, trying to trying to reach with his punch, which it, that's just a product of doing one-on-ones. He, he doesn't do that when he actually plays on it's the field. Especially, and I would imagine, like, you're, you're playing the drill instead of, like, of course. playing football. And you know those guys are about to fly off, and you're trying to, like, stone a guy to make it look good and everything. So... Yeah. I'm sure that's that's probably a common problem. Yeah, it's kind of a product of the drill, but there there's just going to be several teams that love him for the measurables he had and then for some of the physical play he's put on tape over the last couple of years. And I, I, I'm i going to keep asking around to try to gather 
where he might go in the draft, but I, I th- I'm thinking early day three, maybe like a fourth rounder at this point from everyone I've talked to, maybe it ends up differently after, you know, going through the rest of the draft process. I'll keep talking to some of those guys that do that for a living, but it's for some people, it is kind of hard to get it, a read on how they feel about Marquise. But as far as I can tell, he didn't hurt himself at all down there. Like he had some snaps where people were like, damn, he's the most physical guy on the field. And NFL teams love big dudes that play with an edge. And that's, and they love, that's what he does. They love beating both guys. Yeah. And whenever your coach has a, a steady stream of guys that are starting on a bunch of really good teams in the NFL, that it lends legitimacy to that, that position coach. So when his guys are coming out, like there's, there's, there tends to be less guesswork. Like you kind of trust the development process from that coach. Yeah, there's no doubt. All right, let's get to call your shot. And we ask you the most important thing that happened in OU football this week. And we got a lot of stuff about Perry on Winfrey senior bowl. And I, I think we touched on that enough, Ted, but this one, We haven't talked about it. This tweet comes from at Sooners in suits. Who says easy hashtag Sooners in suits is finally happening, baby. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you see this? I did. Brent Venables said that the entire team is getting tailored suits every year. School's paying for it. These dudes are going to be looking good for game day, baby. Let's go. Yes. Um, I, I sense love hesitation. It. No, I absolutely love it. Okay. I was Ooh. just going to say that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people don't, they don't really, they like when the players show up wearing their whatever they're they want to wear off the team bus going in on game day right like it's it's kind of like the fashion thing right and then the the media teams there taking pictures of guys and you know the torn up jeans and the stylish t-shirts and stuff and that can be cool but in my opinion in college football whenever you're dealing with like there needs to be more form and more like detail, like you haven't earned that spot to just like, we'll do whatever the hell we want. You know, does that make sense? Am I saying that right? Like, I think there needs to be like, like standards and this is what we do. This is our program. This is how we treat it. This is how we look. This is how we dress. This is what we look like at team mill. This is what we look like whenever we're getting on the airplane. And I like that. I think it's awesome. This is, so I think I know what you're saying. And this is something I used to tell guys in the O-liner. If you go to a workout with Schmitty, there is, there's something you're supposed to wear. And if you're not wearing that, he's kicking you out of the indoor. Every time. If you got the wrong socks on, if you show up in tall black socks and you're supposed to be in white socks, you're getting kicked out every time. And the thing I used to say, especially to young guys, you know, when I, you know, my last couple of years when I had played a bunch and earned respect, I'd say, if you can't show up wearing the right socks for the workout, how can I trust you on third and 10 to block the right protection? If you can't wear the right socks, 
on a Tuesday in February. How am I supposed to? T- how, if we're in the Cotton Bowl, it's third and ten. Texas has their rush package on the field. How am I supposed to trust you? And that is, it's an extreme example. And I knew I was being a douche, but it's it kind of all falls under the discipline and like team umbrella for me. It's like, and I don't think all the suits are going to be the same. I think guys are going to get to, you know, express themselves with their sweet suits. Yeah, but sure. It's like, hey, man, that's what we do. Like, we don't wear the same suits, but hey, we suit up for game day. That's what we do. And we all do it. I'm going to suit up. You're going to suit up. Let's do it. Like, it, it's just another, like, team building thing in my head. And maybe, maybe I'm just being too dramatic. That could be, that it's could not be too it. Dramatic. But, to me, it everything matters in my mind. Like class, wearing the right stuff, like what you're being, where you're supposed to be, wearing what you're supposed to wear, like all of that stuff. It always mattered to me because I think everything matters. Like every little detail matters because the it difference between winning and losing is the details. I mean, that's, that's just how I think. It always is. And there, there can't be... There can never be an interpretation period of what is right and what is wrong, what is allowed and what's not. There, there is no interpretation. It has to be black and white. And the sock thing is fine. And I, you can take it as detailed as you want. And the teams that are that detailed are the teams that win. And you've you've got you've got to be able and we're gonna and I've talked about this a lot and I know but we're gonna be at a talent um, deficit against the top teams for quite some time to be able to catch up to those teams. I mean, it's gonna take a long time of top three recruiting classes, of which we've had like maybe one in the last ten years. Right? You got to do that every year for five years before you're in the same ballpark as them. We're not going to be there for a long time. So you have to win other ways. You have to win with details. And the scary thing is, is the good teams are great at that too. So, I mean, that's, that's all part of it to me. It it cannot be, you cannot have that much stuff be open to interpretation. I love it. Yeah. No, and I'm with you. And also I was thinking about this as far as the suits go. It's also a good NIL opportunity. For guys, right? Maybe a guy gets a clothing store to sponsor him or a company to sponsor him and he's doing their suits like, and then guys can see that and he can post it on his Instagram, like all that stuff. Like it it could open some of those doors for some of these players as well. And the suits look good. They look good. Business trip, whatever you want to say. And also one of the other things, Bama wears suits to games. Georgia's where Georgia wears suits to games. Like, I'm not saying we got to be like them, but if you're over here like, oh, elite players want to dress up, like they want to wear their own stuff to a game. Well, the most elite programs in the country wear suits to games, and those players don't seem to have a problem with it. So if that's your argument, you're wrong. <laughs> I mean, and, I don't know what else to say. And here's the thing. there, Whenever you play well and you win good, the coach says – where you warm up or whatever they call it sweats on the, on the flight home. Right. And yeah. it's like a big celebration. It's one of the things it's like one of the bones they throw. So 
yeah, just look good. I think it's great. I love it. I'm on yeah. board 100%. You know what I love? Birthday shout-outs. Yeah. Happy second birthday to Jack Caps. Strong name. Happy birthday, Jack. Happy eighth birthday to Simon George all the way out in Wyoming. How about that? Happy birthday, Simon. Happy 11th birthday to Henry Sasser. Great name. Happy birthday, Henry. Happy 20th birthday to Whitney Petter. Happy birthday, Whitney. Happy 21st birthday to Kelsey Labertson. Did I forget a letter? Do you think it's Lambertson or do you think it's Labertson? The M on my keyboard's been a little sticky. I'm thinking Kelsey Lambertson or Labertson, whatever it is. Happy birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday, Kelsey. Happy 23rd birthday to Sean Proctor. Happy birthday, Sean. Happy 29th birthday to Broden Johnson. Happy birthday, Broden. Happy 30th birthday to Chris Moon. Ooh, Moon. Nice. Happy birthday, Chris. Happy 35th birthday to Addison Miller. Happy birthday, Addison. Happy 35th birthday to Megan Myers. Happy birthday, Megan. Happy 43rd birthday to Brian Carter. Happy birthday, Brian. Happy 70th birthday to Larry Bird Austin. Larry Bird Austin. That's awesome. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to the ageless Becky Roberts. Happy birthday, Becky. Happy birthday to Tara Potts. Happy birthday, Tara. And congratulations to the Lane family on the birth of James Baker Lane. JBL, happy birthday, James, and congratulations to the Lane family. All right, time for the National College Football Roundup. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Guys, winter is here, but the weather doesn't matter because it's always hard seltzer season. There's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink in the hot tub, by the fire, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic Drive-In flavors like Cherry Limeade and Ocean Water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery, convenience, and liquor stores. All right, a lot happened in the world of college football this week, but let's start with this one. This this certainly made the rounds. (laughs) Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley said that the transfer portal needs guardrails he he mentioned that maybe there needs to be periods where the portal is open where it's closed he's not the only guy that said that we've heard a lot of people talk about possible periods for for the transfer portal he also said that he's concerned about how the portal is affecting high school players 
All right. I, I mean, I am, I am a big believer in actions speak louder than words, right? It's a phrase I've heard for a long time. Phrase a lot of people have heard for a long time. Now, I guess you don't have to like the rules while also taking full advantage of them. I, I guess that is true. That is true. But I feel like Lincoln Riley is the last person on planet Earth that should be talking about this right now. Am, am I is that am I just still a little angry or is that a fair reaction? It's probably a little both, but um it's it's a fair reaction. And there's multiple reasons. Like he's he's got a he does have a history that has developed of saying one thing but the track record does not align with what he's talking about. And I get that there's different circumstances and you have to remain competitive under the rules that are out there right now. But it's like the, the field goal against Baylor and how pissed off he was that they kicked that field goal. But I'm watching him like throw the ball and score touchdowns with 15 seconds on the clock against Western Carolina. You know what I'm saying? Like some, some things just, the code of sportsmanship. Right, exactly. All timeline, by the way. The code of sportsmanship. <laughs> incredible. Love he's, it. He's right. And at the same time, you do owe it to the university that's paying you to do whatever you can within the rules and their structure at that time to get the best players that you can. Um, but you have to know that it sounds ridiculous whenever you come out and, and take a hard stance on something, whenever your track record on it is, is, I don't know, frankly, maybe worse than anyone else out there. Right. I, I just think that, I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't sound genuine. Right. After what we just watched him do. Right. Cause he, he's coming out and talking about, Hey, you know, need guardrails. Don't like how it's affecting the high school kids. Right. But he just took full advantage of those rules. Like he's, he's saying he doesn't like the stuff and then he's doing everything possible to use it to his advantage, which is his job. So that's why, like, I, I don't know. I just, maybe it's just because for example, he's got 13 transfers in his recruiting class. Three of them come from his former employer. Mm -hmm. I feel like he's the last one that should be talking about transfer portal guardrails. Right. And remember the whole thing with Austin Kendall and with Chandler Morris, right? Like, oh, yeah. Re really didn't like that those guys were transferring within the conference. Really didn't like it. He just took five guys from Pac 12 schools as transfers. So, and then the other thing, it's like, I don't like how it's affecting the high school guys. You just took all the transfers. You only took eight high school guys in your recruiting class. I looked it up. USC took eight high school kids. If he's so worried about how it's affecting high school kids, then take more high school kids. Right. Or I, you, you can't, <laughs> you, you got to pick a side and be on that side, right? You can't just feel really bad for the way it affects the high school kids 
but be like the main guy out there that's doing it, right? And then try and be sympathetic with the high school kids. It's weird. You're right. It's every now and then you just – he's not wrong, but he just doesn't need to comment on it, right? <laughs> I, maybe next year, right? Yeah. I just think the timing – and I, I think everyone saw that clip and they are like, man – Lincoln Riley's the one saying all this stuff. That's odd. Right. Hey, <laughs> I guess if he doesn't see the irony there, then nothing can be learned here. But there do need to be some guardrails. But, you know, we've talked about this. When it's the NIL and it's a transfer portal, it's going to be very difficult to put the, the toothpaste back in the tube. Yeah. Even it's though serious, everyone not- can see that it's like a, a mess. It's just, that's yeah, what, if, what if you try with. to restrict the movement of the players now, there will be lawsuits, right? Yep. I mean, it's just, it's how it's going to be. Yep. So man, I don't know. <laughs> just like of all the people to talk about the portal. Hey, maybe one of the guard rules should be if you leave and take another job, you shouldn't be able to take the star quarterback of the school you just left. Maybe that should be in the the guardrails. Uh, coming this week is uh, Lincoln Riley talks about how high coaches' salaries are ruining college football, right? <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was really funny. And it – because – I talked about it with a lot of people that like are OU fans, like guys that I do radio with on Sirius. And they all were just like, man, out of all the people, huh? That's it. That's interesting. And especially, I don't understand it. If I was Lincoln Riley, I wouldn't want any guardrails on the transfer portal. If, if I'm trying to build that roster as quickly as possible and elevate the level of talent on that roster, I'm telling everyone, Hey, come live in Southern California. Come play for me guardrails be damned come be a trojan like that's what i'd be doing i wouldn't be complaining about the portal i'd be saying here's a list of guardrails that i've come up with okay and those guardrails uh i want implemented no earlier than 2030 right that's the time we need to start putting the guardrails in place yeah yeah i just i thought it was hilarious something else i thought i just this blows my mind and i cannot wait to talk to you about this Let's start with, we should probably start with Lane Kiffin, right? So Lane Kiffin ends up with like the 10th ranked recruiting class in the SEC and clearly he's not thrilled about it, uh, but came out and, and did something I think no coach should do. He comes out and as part of an answer, he talks about how Ole Miss doesn't have the funding and the resources as some other schools with NIL deals, which just blew my mind. If you don't, okay, then you don't. And it's probably true that Ole Miss doesn't have, you know, some of the NIL stuff in place that Bama has or Texas A&M or Georgia. That's probably true. But why on earth would he ever say that out loud for every recruit in America to hear? Like, hey, man, yeah, come here, but we just, we ain't got it like these guys. What is he doing? Why is he letting everyone else know that? That is, that blows my mind, Ted. Like, it, I was stunned 
when I when I saw it come out of his mouth. I was like, what is he doing? Don't tell people that. It might be true. At least just don't say it. It it is in, it it the, it's crazy. It's crazy that he said that. Yes. What's more crazy is within a year, we've gone from uh, you never say anything about the recruiting situation to a head coach saying, we tried to buy a recruiting class, but couldn't pay as much money as this other team. We're trying the best we can to buy recruits, and we just can't do it as well as these other guys. That's a, it's that hadn't even been a year, and that's where we've arrived. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like the unspeakable for the the entirety of college football has been thrown entirely out the door in eight months. I I respect his honesty, I guess, but if you can't find players. Good NIL deals. Don't tell anyone. Don't hurt yourself further on the recruiting trail by saying that stuff out loud. And then the the thing that, you know, caused the the beef between him and Jimbo Fisher, right? Lane Kiffin makes the joke about, you know, Texas A&M having to pay a luxury tax for their <laughs> signing class. It was pretty funny. The delivery was great. Like, he was just joking. I mean, it was funny. Jimbo Fisher... Did not think it was funny. <laughs> he was all kinds of pissed off at Lane Kiffin and Nick Saban a little bit also, which was okay, whatever. But Jimbo Fisher also said some stuff where I'm like, Jimbo, what, what are you doing? Because he's trying to make us all believe that NIL played no role in him signing the best recruiting class of all time. <laughs> it's got seven, five stars, right? in his recruiting class and they went eight and four last year. And I think in like the previous seven or eight years, they had signed like seven or eight, five stars total. And they just had seven in this one class. So what changed Jimbo? <laughs> a and M's always had good facilities. Kyle Fields always been a really good game day environment. Is it, is it just the coaching staff and Jimbo Fisher? They're just that good. They just worked that hard on the recruiting trail. I mean, come on, man. I, yep. I don't understand why he just won't use NIL to his advantage when he talks about it publicly. Having uh, a good uh, name, image, and likeness set up for your players, Ted, it's part of coaching now. I don't know why guys just don't understand that maybe they well, do and they just play dumb publicly i don't get it there are tactical reasons as to why you would want to play dumb and the reason you would want to play dumb is when you've when you've got something that you know maybe you don't know but you feel really good that no one else is going to be able to come up with that amount that huge chunk you want to downplay the hell out of it because if it's something that you can do and no one else can well guess what happens that's whenever we got to step in and make a change right so you got to downplay it I, if, if if 
if he comes out and says, and I don't, I know who knows what the true numbers are that, yeah, we've got 30 or $40 million set aside for our incoming class. Everyone in unison in college football is going to like step up to the microphone and say, this is BS. We've got to change this immediately. Where's Zimmer? Where's the NCAA? So you got to downplay it as much as you can. It's your Trump card, right? So I think that's to me is why he's doing it. I, I just thought it was hilarious. Like he's all pissed off. He's going on this rant. He's got this just blinged out gold Rolex on his wrist while he's doing it, which was hilarious. I'm just like, Oh, this guy. Yeah. He's the one he's, he's complaining about NIL stuff and accusations. That's it's uh, funny. He's, he's making $10 million a year. It's just like, well, what are he's, we doing? See, he's Lane Kiffin is already talking about what was something that no one talked about for the entire history of college football, Jimbo Fisher's like, he's just not comfortable. <laughs> he's like, he's got something built in where he can't mention it. You I, know? I think that some of these coaches are, are feeling a certain type of way that people think they're just getting players because of NIL stuff. I don't know if it makes them yeah, it, feel like they're less of a coach because one of the main reasons a player is coming to play for him is because of name, image, and likeness opportunities. That maybe has something to do with it, but listen, I'm going to give every coach in college football some free advice right here. This is all Jimbo Fisher had to say. We signed the number one class ever because we have a great staff. We have great facilities. We've got a great university that gives you all the resources you need for your degree. We've got an incredible game day atmosphere and we've got the best fan base in the country that is extremely proud to support our players on game day and off the field when their name, image, and likeness opportunities are there. That's it. That's all you have to say. Just throw that message out there. Just a little nugget for every recruit in America to hear. Be like, oh, that last part was kind of interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I. But instead, it's like NIL had nothing to do with this. It's like, what? Dude, you just signed seven five stars. Well, here's the problem. And, and this is why I don't think it's I don't think the current system is sustainable because you don't put a 30 million dollar fund together. And and not win. Right. People are going to be pissed when they put that type of money together and don't get anything out of it. And here's the other thing. What do you think next year's recruiting class is going to want? And the year after that, and the year after that, like you've made it known that this is how you're going to get your recruits. And if you don't pony up, they're not going to show up. That's why I think it's, it's smart the way we've seen some schools just dip the toe in the water while they're trying to figure it out instead of just going out, breaking the bank, making all these big time promises with these big time millions of dollars and all this stuff floating around out there, because I don't believe it's sustainable. I could be naive thinking that people are going to continue to throw a ton of money into a fund for high school kids whenever there's no return. But I mean, (laughs) 
<laughs> we're about to talk about Auburn. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, we'll. Uh, I could be we'll, wrong. <laughs> we'll get to that in winners and losers. Uh, one last thing that I just wanted to get your comments on. Nick Saban, you and I, we both agree. Best coach ever. Unbelievable collection of talent that he's had at that school over the last decade plus. He said, and I quote, we never cheated to get a player. We never paid players to come to our school. Your thoughts? Well, anytime you say we, we, I like how he said that he's grouping everyone together. He's not going in, in this thing alone. Uh, whenever you say we never, that almost instantly gets the former player from seven or eight years ago that was kicked off campus after year two to say, that's not true. You gave me this, you know what I'm saying? Like, so it better be true, Nikki, or it's, you know how that goes. The disgruntled will pop up at some point. So yeah, that's right though. It's, it's weird whenever you have someone come out and like everyone is always going to uh, throw water on any of, the any of that type of stuff, but you're really just trying to avoid it and move on. Right. <laughs> yeah. All, all I'll say is never speak in absolutes, man. Always never nothing good comes from that. Especially well, when you've had the level of success that Alabama's had. Nick Saban may have not paid. He he may have not handed any of his players cash. But come on, man. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. It's Bama. Everyone knows. There's a reason why Nick Saban doesn't text message, doesn't answer emails doesn't do anything electronically and a lot of people are like oh that's nick hey, that's gosh that's so funny that he's he's not dumb he's no he's not leaving any trail of any electronic communications about anything ever it's all going to be a phone call phone or calls and carrier pigeons that's it that's right no there is the guy's probably trained in the cia or something there is no electronic evidence left behind Absolutely not. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, concussions are a part of football. They don't have to be a part of your pool party. Nip the slip with Softrock's rubber safety surfacing and spend more time enjoying your outdoor parties and less time worrying about a slip and fall on your pool deck. Softrock of OKC specializes in customized slip-resistant slip decorative rubber surfacing for your pool decks, patios, walkways, and gym floors. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark at Softrock of OKC are ready to help you prevent that next slip. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit the drivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Softrock and the driveway company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. 
Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and is a proud member of the OSSAA. There are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Thought about going with Reagan Smith, uh, OU Women's Gymnastics, hitting a, uh, a perfect 10 over the weekend in, uh, in their gymnastics meet, which has become pretty much routine for the OU Women Perfect 10s, uh, happening quite a bit so far this year. But I went with Alabama. Alabama just got approval for a new basketball arena. It's going to seat about 10,000. It's going to be on campus. Uh, student section is going to be really tight right around the, the court. Um, it's going to be really cool. It's going to cost $183 million. Now, Excuse me, what now? $183 million. This is for Bama football, right? Uh, hoops, which they've huh. done good. So what happens when you win, I guess, right? So that's, that's a lot of money. I really don't give two rips about Alabama and their arena, but it pisses me off to no end that we still cannot get a basketball arena deal done with the city of Norman. It infuriates me to no end. There's so many benefits that could be had with this. Hoops, gymnastics, concerts, whatever. The mock-ups of what they were going to do was so awesome, so fantastic. Developer standing right there. Just tell me when to go. We got it. We're ready to pump a ton of money, half a billion dollars into your community to build this and the area around it. Can't get it done. Okay, so I don't live in the Norman area like you do. What's the holdup? Like what? What? Because it's not getting done. Like you're saying, like clearly there's some pushback. What's what's the reasoning? Like it would be too awesome. TIF financing. The OU wants the city of Norman to help finance the deal, right? To get it done. And they could share access to it. And with all the events that you have there, it'd be right off I-35, really easy to get to if you're coming down from Oklahoma City. If you're passing through, there's a ton of traffic from out of state that passes through I-35 all the time. And this development with, with there's going to be housing and restaurants and, uh, and bars, all kinds of stuff with the funding from the city, it'll be paid back over time in, you know, in, in sales tax and all of that stuff. Like that's, that's the, the chip in from the city and the city doesn't want to do it. Even though that's how pretty much every arena in every city in the United States gets built. That's how you do it. 
Okay, so I'm I'm realizing that there's probably some people that listen to this podcast that are listening to this right now and they're going, man, Teddy knows a lot about real estate. Do you think people know that real estate is your day job? Do you think anyone has any know. idea? That's a good question. Chicago title. Uh, give me a call if you have a real estate closing coming up. Shameless plug. No, but it still it infuriates me, man. It infuriates me. It's so easy. So easy. But I've frankly, I've, I've given up on the deal. I don't even know where it is anymore. I used to follow it all the time, and now it's, it's just D-E-D, dead. Look what you've done, City of Norman. You've made Ted sad. I'm all right, man. Sad. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Are you going to do it again? It's OU men's hoops. <sighs> yeah, they lost again. And I'm all the way in Mexico, and I got to watch that basketball game with a couple of Oklahoma State fans around. You know, it's that's frustrating. And I feel like they've hit that section, you know, where I'm not saying you throw in the towel, but you start to really lose hope on on what the outcome of the season's going to be. Play well early on until everyone like is is really knows what your strengths and weaknesses are as a roster and you've got high hopes and high expectations, which they shouldn't change that. But I feel like I feel like they're in that spot where it's really going to start to wear on them like mentally and it's going to be hard to close this thing out. Yeah, I thought Tanner Groves did some good things offensively. Got off to the hot start, but we've said this a lot. We've talked about it a lot. Oklahoma State, more length, more athleticism. And when OU's playing against a more athletic team, they got to shoot the three well and six of 22. It's just not going to get it done on the road in Big 12 play. It's just not. Nope. We're going backwards on the old three ball. It's, um, I think it's like, I don't know the, the, the mental block has crept in. I feel like on the threes and we still defend really good at times. I, I, you know, the effort is there. It's a good, tough group of guys. I love the way Porter Moser coaches these guys and, my opinion on the future of OU men's hoops has not changed one bit. Maybe the future thoughts on this season have changed, but overall, I still think we're going to be headed in a really, really good direction. It's just turned into a, a tough grind here uh, as you're in the depths of Big 12 play. Yeah. Boone Twins had a nice day against the Sooners. And that CSA alley-oop was sick. <laughs> I mean, you talk about a dude that could jump out of the gym. That was sweet. But, yeah, just didn't go well. Do you want me to tell you something that will make you feel better? It may shock you, honestly. Okay, let's hear it. Joe Lenardi, latest bracketology from Sunday. Oh, you still in the tournament? And not only are they still in the tournament, they are in the last four buys, not even the last four in. Still in the well, tournament. <laughs> unfortunately we've still got a lot of big 12 play ahead of us but i'm cautiously optimistic gabe 
I I assume there's a lot of caution in there and not a ton of optimism, <laughs> but still cautiously optimistic is the proper term. That's right. We still believe in you, Porter Moser. You're we still do. the man. We know you're going to get it right. Just need we've talked about it a lot. Just need a little more talent on the roster. Just a little more. We'll get there. If you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker and you've been watching OU basketball, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the Best in Glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen, and became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit BalconesDistilling.com. Let's talk money. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much, much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB, making mobile deposits, Paying bills online and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with OU women's basketball, thrilling double OT win against West Virginia. And I know West Virginia, not not that great, right? But now Jenny Baranchek's team, 20-3 and three on the season. And Taylor Robertson and Maddie Williams, they are the most entertaining combination in OU basketball. That I'm talking men's and women's. Like, they're those two are the most fun to watch. I, you know, Coach Baranchek, there was a lot of people that spoke very, very highly of her whenever they made that hire. Frankly, I didn't know what to expect. Um, I was, you know, I was hoping that it was going to be what, what everyone was building up to be. She's been awesome. And I love listening to her in, like, her post-game press conference stuff is awesome, too. I She's – I feel like she's uh, – we're watching the early stages of her building a juggernaut kind of feels that you. way. Doesn't it? Yeah. She's awesome. But my winner of the weekend, Michigan. Ah. So after going to an interview that a lot of people thought was just a formality with the Minnesota Vikings on national signing day, Jim Harbaugh calls the AD and said, Hey, I'm staying, I'm staying. And uh, this is, you know, this isn't going to happen anymore. I'm not going to flirt with the NFL anymore. I want to stay at Michigan. I'm a Michigan man. I guess reportedly Jim Harbaugh just wasn't liking the Vikings vibes in the meeting, but no, the Vikings didn't offer him the job either going uh, with the Rams OC, Kevin O'Connell, but no matter what you think of Harbaugh, 
Teddy, and I know you have thoughts. He's he's won everywhere he's been. And he's won 72% of his games at Michigan. And he just got them over the hump against Ohio State. They won the Big Ten. They went to the college football playoff. It didn't go particularly well, but they still went. He just signed a top 10 recruiting class. And even though he he's probably going to want more money after taking that pay cut for last season, Michigan's got to be thrilled that he's staying, man. Yeah. No, I, I think so. And the fact that he was able to still sign a top 10 class when pretty much everyone was reporting that he's gone to the NFL, like at first it was the Vikings or at first it was the Raiders, right? And then the Vikings and still be able to pull in that class. That's impressive, especially on signing day, whenever he's, he's doing an interview. So um, pretty impressive there. He is a good coach. He's psychotic. I think we can all see that anyone that works. Everything that I've seen is that everyone that works with him, cannot wait to get on the first opportunity that they have elsewhere. Uh, but the, the accolades and the wins speak for themselves. Uh, Super Bowl appearance, which I loved those 49er teams and how they played and how physical they were. I, I, and I liked the, the team he had at Michigan this year was really similar to what you saw for those 49er teams. Not as much quarterback run stuff, but still, um, I like I like the way he he goes about things and Michigan being able to hang on to him is that's big time. I know there's probably people that felt like it was a good opportunity to kind of start building on something else maybe, uh, but the the proof's in the pudding with the wins. They're in a good spot right now. It's that's good for Michigan that he's going to be around. It, it, it is going to cost him some money. Yeah, it's definitely going to cost him money, and he's got to replace both his defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator because Mike McDonald, the D.C., he left to be the Ravens' defensive coordinator. And then this Josh Gaddis situation is interesting because he left to be Mario Cristobal's offensive coordinator at Miami. And remember, Gaddis just won the Broyles Award you know, for the best assistant in all of college football. This is, this is how I'm guessing this went down. Harbaugh thought he was going to get one of these jobs, right? Vikings job, Raiders job, whatever. And Gaddis thought he was going to be the next head coach at Michigan. And maybe Gaddis found out he wasn't going to get it, or maybe he thought it was he was going to get it. And then Harbaugh decided to come back, and the administration said, nope, you're, you're, you're Jim's our guy. But whatever happened, I think Gaddis got pissed, and now he's going to Miami to work for Mario Cristobal, who is also a notorious grinder. But... I guess Gaddis texted some Michigan players and said something like, unfortunately, the past few weeks told a different story to me about the very little appreciation I have from administration. And then I believe the quote was in life. I would never advise anyone to be where they are not wanted. All right. little dramatic, Josh, just a little bit, but I'm guessing he thought he was going to be the next head man at Michigan. And then it all fell through and it pissed him off. And he was like, I don't want to work for Harbaugh anymore. I'll just go to Miami. Yeah. That's pretty wild. How that's that all unfolded. What do you think the situation was though with McDonald? Well, he came from there. Remember, didn't he come from the Ravens? Is that right? Is that right? That could be completely wrong, but I'm just wondering. Martindale's out. Right. I, 
I think so Harbaugh, John Harbaugh called and said, Hey, you want to not deal with any recruiting or any of that stuff and just be an NFL coach. And I'm sure he was like, yes, yes, I do. That's what I'm saying. I wonder if like that creates any bad blood between the Harbaugh brothers, but I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it was like a done deal. Cause he thought he was definitely going to the NFL, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. But Hey, still good weekend for Michigan. For my loser of the weekend, Brian Harson. I mean, this is what the hell is going on at Auburn? Brian Harson, the guy's just trying to relax on vacation, and all of a sudden, it really feels like he's going to be out after just one year at Auburn. So, Auburn had a board of trustees meeting, and the Auburn president came out afterwards and said they'll make the appropriate decision at the right time which I, that's not exactly a ringing endorsement of Brian Harson. Also, I guess the athletic director met with some of the team leaders and they were like, Hey, stay the course. We don't know what's going to happen here. So it's like, doesn't sound like anyone at Auburn knows what's about to happen, but Auburn just paid Gus Malzahn $21.5 million to go away last year. And now if they end up pushing Harson out and firing him, they will owe him $18.3 million to go away after one season. That is nearly $40 million of buyouts in two years. And I, there is a lot of buzz that Auburn's leadership is looking for a reason to be able to fire him with cause, which that always doesn't end up in a giant legal battle. Just ask Kansas. <laughs> ask Kansas about that one, guys. Right. You think it works well whenever – it's out there that we're going to try and cook up a reason to fire him with cause. Like, no, <laughs> like you've basically outed yourself, right? Yeah, like you I, can't, you can't go in after the fact and do that. Dude. How weird is this? It's, it's not, it's not weird. It's Auburn. It's Auburn. If, if you can't look in the mirror and say, we just had to pay a coach over $20 million to, to get out of here, to get out of town. And a year later, we're about to pay someone $18 million. We're talking $40 million to coaches that are not going to be coaching here. If you can't look in the mirror and say, guys, we are the problem, then guess what? Two years from now, Auburn will be paying Joe Blow $15 million as they, you know, cut ties, whatever. It's so stupid. What could Brian Harson have done that is this bad? And why? You don't have to hire. You don't have to put that in the contract. You could structure it however you want. And I know a lot of guys are going to come up and demand that, you know, they want this, this buyout money. You can say no and hire someone. There's a, there'll be a long list of really good football coaches that'll line up to coach there. And I know that's not going to happen, but I'm just saying, like, stop putting yourself in the, in this position. Yeah. And it, it, it feels like, remember all those donors that we were hearing about that were pissed that they didn't hire Kevin Steele. Cause you know, he had buddied up with some of the big donors there at Auburn. But the president and the AD, they were like, no, 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 we're going to take control. And Brian Harson was their guy. It seems like 
those donors that were pissed off about that whole thing are the ones that are about to get arson fired. That's how it feels to me. And there are some weird things that have happened, right? He fired Mike Bobo. Uh, he hired Austin Davis then to replace Bobo who reside. Now Austin Davis cited personal reasons after I think he had the job for like six weeks. Derek Mason left for Oklahoma state, bunch of players hopped in the transfer portal. Some of them have been rather outspoken on social media. It's just a dumpster fire, man. I love it. It's so entertaining. I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah. I, I would like to know what, why Brian Harson is so horrible for them. Um, but I'm interested to see where it goes because if they do get rid of him, they've got to hire somebody and that somebody is Gary Patterson. That yeah, his tenure at Texas could be short, huh? No buyout. You don't have to pay his contract out to get him out of somewhere. So he clearly wants to still be around football. I'm just throwing that out there. I have no idea, but he had expressed intrigue about helping Texas move to the SEC. I've been told that by multiple people. Yeah. Maybe he just wants to get there quicker. I don't know what they would do. Honestly, I have no idea what direction they would go. Um, also, couldn't you see GP being like, hell no, I don't want those jobs. Those people are crazy. Maybe. Well, I don't know. It's the best job in the world. You work one year and then take the rest of your contract. That's a good point. It's a good point. I mean, hell, Brian Horse, you make a great case that he's the winner of the week by far. It's a good point. Maybe I should have switched that. Maybe Michigan <laughs> should have been the loser and Harson should have been the winner. Oh, what a week in college football. Episode 187 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Take care of each other.